Let us pray. Good gracious God, we love you, we adore you, and we thank you so much for all that you do. Kingdom heaven, come down. Speak to us right now. May the words that I proclaim this day come from you and you alone. Uh, and may they make a difference. May as these words uh, come forth from my lips, Lord, may, may they challenge us uh, to be more like you and change our lives. For we love you and we thank you so much. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Let the children of God say amen. All right, well, today uh, the story, we see a plan that actually starts coming together. Uh, it's not just any plan. It's, it's God's big plan. It's a big plan that's been put into action uh, from the beginning of time for thousands of years. And as we've seen throughout our uh, Bible study, throughout the story, we're on chapter 22, uh, we have seen that all the things that have happened so far points to this very moment. To this one big event. What we've been learning is that throughout the, the, the Old Testament, throughout the beginning of time, there's been one story of God's story, God's upper story, and we've seen a lower story, and that's our story. We've seen God's story of love and care and, and desire to, to be in a loving relationship with us, and, and God's upper story of bringing us back into a, a covenant relationship with us. And, and then we see our lower story of how we just keep messing things up. How we just keep messing things up. God tries over and over again to teach us of his love and desire to be in a loving relationship with us. But we just keep falling away and messing it up. Well, today we, we see these two stories beginning to intersect. The upper story and the lower story, they intersect in, a, in a one big grand event. And this, upper, this, this intersection is, is, is historic. But it only matters if it matters to you. It, it, it's, it's of no significance if it's no significance to you in your life. See, I want to make clear that this, this great, incredible, wonderful thing, this, this most important thing that's happened throughout history, it's not as important if it doesn't matter to you. See, it should make a difference, or it's irrelevant. Uh, there's an old poem uh, that puts it this way. Though Christ in Bethlehem a thousand times be born, if he's not born in you, your heart is forlorn. See, I want to step back and I want to take a, a look at the big picture here. We can see that this is God's doing, God's perfect time. It, it, it didn't just happen by chance. It's not just, just you know, uh, happenstance. It happened at the right time, at the right way, at the right time. And it's an important lesson for us to understand God's perfect timing in our own lives as well. Ephesians says this. Ephesians says this. In him we have redemption through his blood redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us and all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in christ as a plan for the fullness of time to all to unite all things in him things in heaven and on earth. 
at just the right time, at just the right time, God's plan came into being. At just the right time, God's plan came into being. See, Christ's coming, Christ's birth was at the perfect time. So what made it such a perfect time? Well, practically speaking, I mean, let's, let's get just, just historically and practically. What made this the perfect time? Well, three things in particular. But first off, it's, it's the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire uh, was, was uh, in charge at the time of Jesus' birth. Now, if we go back, the first thing, if you go back, keep that up just for a little bit. If you keep, go back 300 years before Christ, you begin to see this, this motion, this, this plan. For us, we really begin to see it take place because 300 years before Christ, uh, 200 years basically before uh, the Roman Empire, there was a man by the name of Alexander the Great. Anybody remember Alexander the Great? He, had, he was a brilliant man, a great warrior. He, he took over a, a, a huge area. But one thing that he did that was brilliant was he realized that as he took over new territories and new, new lands, that everybody spoke a different language. Alexander the Great began to institute a common language, Greek, throughout his empire. And this, there, therefore, uh, you can keep your own language, your native tongue, but you needed to learn Greek in order to help during battle. So you, the commander can, can command in Greek. You can strategize in Greek. It, so, so it began to grow and flourish that, that commerce and businesses began to use the Greek language. So throughout a vast empire of Alexander the Great, Greek became a common tongue. So the first time, reason that this was the perfect timing was by the time the Roman Empire came, and you see the vast empire, the, the, the dark blue is the Mediterranean Sea, and that's the ocean, but the lighter blue, that's the vast uh, empire of the Roman Empire. Throughout this whole area, the Romans continued to use Greek language as a common tongue. So when time came to share the message of Christ, it was a common language throughout the vast area of the Roman Empire. So God's message was able to be shared in, in, in one common tongue. The, the Hebrew Bible, uh, keep that up, keep that up, no, the Roman Empire. The Hebrew Bible actually was, uh, was already translated to uh, Greek, and it was called the Septuagint. So the Hebrew uh, uh, Old Testament uh, message was able to be shared throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. I wonder why. For one common language throughout the Roman Empire. So the first is that common language. The second is, is that throughout this Roman Empire, there was, there was civility, there was peace throughout the Roman Empire. So not only did they have a native tongue that they, they could share the message of Jesus Christ, but also there was peace and civility. They were able to, to share the message of Christ rather easily through this land. And the third reason is, is the, the next slide, the, the road, the Roman roads. The Roman, Romans did an excellent job of building roads. They knew that they had to have, if they were going to keep this vast empire uh, in, in check, they were going to have to travel, the military was going to have to travel quickly from point A to point B to squash any sort of squabble, any sort of uprising. So they built these incredible, wonderful roads. All roads uh, came, uh, came into Rome. 
But they built these, these incredible roads, and some still exist today, for ease of travel. So God's timing was a perfect timing, so, so the message could be shared in one native language, that there was civility and peace through a vast area, and there was a great road system. This just begins of, of, the, of how God, God's perfect timing came into being with, with Jesus Christ. But not only was it a perfect time, but it was a perfect team, a perfect players. See, right near the end of Luke's gospel, we find Jesus speaking to his disciples. We see in Luke chapter 24, we see Jesus saying this. At the end of Jesus, after he had been uh, died and resurrected, he said these words. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophet and the Psalms. Everything must be filled that was written about me in the law of Moses, and the prophets, and the Psalms. See, these words spoken by Jesus, not at the beginning of his ministry, not at the middle, but at the end of his ministry, was saying that all of this in the Old Testament is pointing to, to Jesus. The law of the Moses uh, was referring to the first five books. The prophets were the 17 last books of the Old Testament. But all these words were speaking about me. Now, there's something else you need to realize. That, that, that all part of the Old Testament, as we've been studying the last 21 chapters of the story, if you've ever tried to read through the Old Testament, you hear all of these ways. Uh, you might ask yourself, well, Jesus was plan F, G, maybe even Z. I mean, Jesus was, God had to keep reinstituting new plans because his plans never worked out. But listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter. 1 Peter said this. He was chosen before the creation of the world. He was chosen when? Before the creation of the world. But it was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. So your faith and hope are in God. He chose before the creation of the world, God chose that Jesus was going to come into this world to bring his creation into a loving relationship with him. In Revelation, we read this the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. See, it's hard for us to get our head around. I mean, it, it, but it's very important for us to understand. This Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, who, who lived among us for, for 33 years, who died on the cross, who was raised from the dead, was not an afterthought, was not a, a, a plan G or something. This was not some person that God decided to choose. You know, this is a good man. He's lived 30 years upon this earth, and you know, he's a great role model. I think I want to choose him to, to, to die on the cross. No. Jesus was God's plan A from the beginning of creation. And this is important for us to understand. Now, all this stuff about Jesus being born in a logical time and, and point, uh, is plan A may not excite you. You may be wondering, why is the preacher going on so much about this? What's the big deal about it? Well, maybe this will excite you. I want to read you John, the, the prologue to John's uh, gospel, which is John chapter 1, 
beginning with the first verse. So how the Gospel of John begins. This is the way it begins. Now listen to these beautiful words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. You have to admit, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. If you're looking to do some studying and, and you want to do some insight this week, read the first 14 verses of the Gospel of John. I mean, it is claimed to be some of the most beautiful writings of all time, uh, not only in, in the Bible, but of all times. And it goes beyond just the poetry. For you see, John uh, was very specific in mind who he was writing to. When he writes the words, it, he, he, the, when he writes the words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He had a very specific audience in mind. I mean, number one, the audience were Greek. The Greeks were intellectual. The Greeks were the smart ones. They had just developed this, this huge intellectual and thought and philosophy. So when John was writing about the word, the Greek word he was used is logos. Logos, L-O-G-O-S, logos. So what John is saying in the beginning was the word, the logos. The word and logos came from the same root. That, that word, word, in Greek is logos, okay? And that was deliberate. Remember when I was talking about earlier about God's perfect timing? Now consider this. God used people, rulers, and Alexander the Great, and Greek philosophers without them realizing it. Some 500 years before Christ, there was a, there was a Greek philosopher by the name of Herculatus who lived in the city of Ephesians. Ephesians, 500 years before Christ. He's best known for making the observation that if you put your foot in water in a river, if you put your foot in a river twice, you step in, uh, you step your foot in, you bring your foot out, and you put your foot back in. It's not the same river that you're, that you're actually sticking your foot in. 
he says that the water that you stick your foot in the second time is new water because all that water you stuck your foot in the first time had already gone by and, and the molecules will never be the same again. Now, that's of no relevance to this message and this sermon. I just thought that might be something interesting for you to tell as you're sitting around the table about this guy. But, but here's what he did say that is of relevance. He said that, that the logos, the all-powerful wisdom that steers everything, he says that the Logos is, 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 is the all-powerful wisdom that, says every, that, that, that steers everything. What Hercules was saying back 500 years earlier was he was speaking about Logos. He was speaking about this, 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 this word actually will bring order. Another Greek philosopher, maybe you've heard of him, Plato. Not Plato like the children's toy that you... Plato, Plato. He hung around with like Socrates and Aristotle. Maybe you've heard of those guys. Plato wrote this some 400 years before Jesus wrote this. It may be that someday there may come forth from God a word, a logos, who will reveal all mysteries and make everything plain. So, so here is here is. John writing to the Greeks saying, hey, you, you know this, 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 this word, this logos that, that you have been studying and thinking about? He's here. And he's for you. You see how God was working in so many different ways and making this the perfect time for all people to know of this word and this logos about yeah, but not only to the Greeks, but, but John was writing to the, the Jews as well, to all people. Why is that? Because it begins the same word that the Bible begins. Remember how the Bible uh, begins? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How are they created? God said, let there be light. God said, God said, God spoke words and things happened. So, so... All throughout the Genesis story, God was speaking, and things happen. See, this word, this logos that John talks about, uh, Jesus is, is the one. Colossians chapter 1 says this, The Son is the image of the vis- invisible God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created. In heaven, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Folks, it doesn't get more explicit than that. Now, I understand we've been talking a lot about Logos and about the Roman Empire and, and Alexander the Great, and, 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 and you may be thinking, preacher, wow, you've been kicking that horse long enough. Uh, I understand. I get it. Jesus uh, was God's perfect timing and, and, and God's perfect plan of the perfect timing. I get that. I understand that Jesus, is, uh, that Jesus was not plan whatever jesus was plan a that god had intended this plan all along from the very beginning but why is that so important 
Why is that such a big deal? Why do you keep trying to stress that? What, what difference does that make to me? You've been talking about history and all these Plato's and what have you. What difference does that make to me? Let me challenge you. Again, if it doesn't mean anything to you, if it doesn't impact your life, if it doesn't make a difference in your life, it, it's irrelevant. But I want you to consider how, from the beginning of time, how did God intend on coming to this world? How did God come into this world? From the beginning of time, God could have wiped out time and time again. You, you saw people messing up through the beginning of time from, from Adam and Eve and, and had the great garden and then kicked them out of the garden and we didn't learn. We had from, from the Tower of Babel and given a, a, a language, different languages. God could have destroyed. God could have destroyed humanity, but save the world through Noah that made a promise not to do that again through Abraham through through the Exodus and 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 Moses through time and time again through the judges and and through the through the kings through the prophets God could have wiped us out but God said no I've got this great plan to demonstrate to the world who I am the type of God that I am and how much I love the world so how did this God, what was God's plan from the beginning? To come in riding chariots of fire and, and taking over the world? No. He came to a young couple, pledged to be married, born in a barn, no room for them in the inn or the guest in the house so he had to be born and, and then not even a, a, a place to be laid but a feeding trough this was God's plan why and then it's, it's God's plan as God grew up and began his ministry was he accepted by all it was accepted by some, but not by all. And in the end, all betrayed him. All turned their back on him. And he died on the cross. Why? Why would this be God's plan for the beginning of time, from the creation? You just, some of you nodded, yeah, okay, I get it from the beginning. Why would God do this this way? What does it say about God? It says that God loves us. Whether you're rich or you're poor, God cares. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, God loves you. God wants to be in relationship with you. It means that this great God who created the heavens and the earth that has been active from day one just wants to have a relationship with us a loving caring relationship with all of us this tells me that God of all creation if you're lonely if you've been betrayed if your dear friends have cut you down and turned their backs on you if your leaders have done things that just despise you and sickens you 
If, if people have harmed you physically, mentally abused you, God knows where you are. God wanted to demonstrate to you that God cares. God cares enough to experience it himself. So no, no matter who you are, no matter how much you hurt, God cares enough to experience it himself. And then, in spite of everybody turning their backs on him, betraying him, beating him, Christ died on the cross for our sins. But that wasn't the end of the story. See, this perfect plan came about in a perfect way to demonstrate to us something perfect. But it only matters if we listen. It only matters if it makes a difference. It only matters if it changes our lives. Don't miss this opportunity for a time in a place like this to see what God has been trying to tell us all along. God loves you. There's always time to come back. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we love you and we thank you so much for, for Lord, time and time again, you demonstrating your love to us, Lord God, throughout history, throughout the Old Testament that we've been studying since August, Lord God. We've seen time and time again about how you've tried to demonstrate your love to us, how time and time again, all that you want is us to trust in you fully and completely. All that you wanted from the very beginning is for us to have a relationship with you, to worship you, to, to learn about you, to spend time with you, to, to trust in you, and to, to allow you to take control and to, despite good times and bad times, just to trust in, your, and trust in you, Lord God. As we see your plan unfold in such a beautiful way, Lord God, you, you came into this world to intersect our life. So, Lord God, for all of us that have wronged you, for all of us that have turned our backs against you, for all of us in which we... Uh, we have not understood the importance of, of spending time with you in prayer and, and, and in worship. For all of us that have, have abused our money and not understood the importance of tithing in your commands, Lord. For all of us in which we have chosen our way over your way, Lord God. Help us, Lord to see more, even more clearly your love for us. May we turn to you, to trust in you, to follow you in all that happens. For we love you and we do thank you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. May Christ be born fresh within us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Let the children of God say amen.